Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 230. Whew, that's a lot. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Moonshots family, Moonshots members, Moonshots listeners, as well as Moonshots viewers. Mike, we're up to a pretty exciting time in show number 230, aren't we? Second installment of the Mel Robbins series, and boy, she's just a little surprising, isn't she? That's right. Last time we dug into Mel Robbins' book, The Five Second Rule, which really brought to life this idea, Mike, of uh, acting, you know, this idea of not delaying decision-making too long. Now we're diving into another book of Mel Robbins, which is Stop Saying You're Fine the no BS guide to getting what you want. And Mike, we're obviously going to dive into this a lot in today's show. We're going to lean in and really understand the, uh, and pull apart the key phrases and ideas that Mel has for us in this evolution on her five-second uh, decision-making rules. But it's really, again, about taking action. It's really all about being proactive, isn't it? Yeah, and listen, I really believe that we're in a war with self-doubt, indecision, procrastination. Like I, I have this feeling that all of our viewers, members, and listeners have a sense of who they want to be in life, what they really want to be doing. But the hard part is listening to your intuition, your subconscious when it speaks to you. And taking action because often what you are doing today is not really where you want to be tomorrow. So you have to get uncomfortable. And so this whole thing of putting things off, pretending they're not there, or I'm too busy, I'll deal with that next week. That is what Mel Robbins has some solutions for. And I think also she's going to give us some tough talk, Mark. I think she's going to kick us up the Mm. you know what and say, come on. Stop stuffing around. What do you think? Yeah, I think we had a little bit of a taste of Mel Robbins in last week's show. I think the five second and the areas that she was digging into with that rule were a bit of an awakener, weren't they, Mike? They were telling us, hey, stop messing around. Just make a decision and get on with it. If you can't make it within five seconds, move on. I think you're right. This week, we're now digging back into this uh, harsh or maybe uh, encouraging rules and laws of uh, Mel Robbins, and I think we've got to, you know, kick off strong. So, Mike, why don't I set us up for that first intro clip? Sounds great. Let's get in there. Let's get some tough talk from Coach Mel. Let's get some Coach Mel Robbins digging into our first clip, and she's all about getting out of our heads. It's very, very simple to get what you want, but it's not easy. You have to force yourself, and I mean force. And the reason why I use the word force, when Roz was up here and talking about the um, emotion tracking and she had the picture of the two sides of the brain, I look at the brain the exact same way. Only I describe one side of your brain as autopilot and the other side as emergency brake. That's the only two speeds you get. Autopilot, emergency brake. And guess which one your brain likes better? Autopilot. You've had the experience where you've driven to work, right? And you get there and you're like, oh my God, I don't remember driving here. 
You weren't drunk. That was your brain on autopilot. It was functioning just at this level. And the problem with your mind is that anytime you do anything that's different from your normal routine, guess what your brain does? Emergency brake. And it has that reaction for everything. Everything. You walk into the kitchen and you see everybody's left their breakfast dishes for you. And you think for the hundredth time, I'm going to kill them. In fact, I'm going to leave them here and I'm going to make them do it. But that's not your normal routine, is it? So your mind goes, emergency brake. And you go right into autopilot. I'll just load it and be pissed and then not have sex. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so when I say force, anything that's a break from your routine is going to require force. And if you think about your life, it's kind of funny because we, you know, are, are kids and then we become adults and we spend so much time trying to push our life into some sort of stable routine. And then we grow bored of it. You wake up at, what, the same time every day, you have largely the same breakfast, you drive to work the same way, you show up at work, you look busy, you, you avoid making calls, you update Facebook, you attend a meeting and doodle the whole time, you go back and update Facebook, you make plans for the evening, you look busy some more, then you drive home the same way, eat largely the same dinner or, you know, variety of it, you watch the same kind of media, and then you go to bed and do the same thing all over again. No wonder you're bored out of your mind. It's the routine that's killing you. I have this theory about why people get stuck in life. So most of you have probably taken your basic Psych 101 class and you've bumped into Andrew Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. Well, your body is kind of cool because you have these basic needs. And your body is wired to send you signals. If you are hungry, or I mean, if you need food, what do you feel? If you need water, what do you feel? If you need sex, what do you feel? Thank you. I think when you feel stuck or dissatisfied in your life, it's a signal. And it's not a signal that your life is broken. It's a signal that one of your most basic needs are not being met. Your need for exploration. Everything about your life, about your body, grows. Your cells regenerate, your hair, your nails, everything grows for your entire life. And your soul needs exploration and growth. And the only way you'll get it is by forcing yourself to be uncomfortable. Forcing yourself to get outside, out of your head. Thank you. If you're in your head, you're behind enemy lines. That is not God talking. Okay? It's not. In fact, if I put a speaker on it and we broadcast what you say to yourself, we would institutionalize you. <laughs> you would not hang out with people that talk to you the way you talk to yourself. So get out of your head. Your feelings. Your feelings are screwing you. I don't care how you feel. I care about what you want. And if you listen to how you feel... When it comes to what you want, you will not get it. Because you will never feel like it. Ooh. She is dropping some wisdom there, uh, Mark. You know, I think we all have these moments of clarity where mm. we see the path we should take. But it's just hard. It's confronting. You're not sure if you can do it. 
So your intuition is to defer the discomfort. And what's incredible, Mark, is we have learned from Joe Rogan, David Goggins, Brené Brown, you name it, Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, just learn to get uncomfortable. Learn to push through your natural desire to stop. Keep running. Keep working. Just don't stop. And at the beginning of all of this is the choice to act. And that's what she's really getting to is that we're often presented with these feelings, hunches, and inklings, and they're an invitation to act and we decline them. And because we bury those feelings, we bury those moments because we get uncomfortable, we're almost denying that there was even the chance to do so. And so I think like the reality is that many, if not most of us, are a long way off living the life that they would dream of living. Particularly if you, if you do the exercise of saying money's not the issue, how would you live mm. your life? To me, that's the ultimate place to be, to be living a life, doing today what you would have done if it wasn't a requirement to, to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah I, I think what really stands out to me with, with and building on what you're just saying there, Mike, the idea of living, let's call it like, like a dream life, your perfect life, a life uninterrupted by, you know, the things that you require in order to, I don't know, let's say afford that you dream things. Instead, what I quite liked about where Mel's taking us is connecting this idea of growth, this idea of challenge, this idea of trying something new as a basic need for us. So similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think what's quite interesting with that idea, and it's not something that I've necessarily heard from any of our uh, moonshots legends before, actually placing growth and the desire to expose yourself to challenges. Well, I don't know. I don't know, Mark. What about Carol Dweck? I think she's offering Mm -hmm. two paths. I think um, David Goggins is laying two clear paths, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I yep. think the thing that Mel does is she almost makes the scientific argument for it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. This idea that it is requirement, it is one of the things that we need in our lives to continue growing or to yeah. continue getting better, maybe as a step to unlock that, as you were saying, that kind of life uninterrupted or a dream life, you have to go through the process of, of being challenged because actually that's what makes things worthwhile by the end, isn't it? Some of the favorite pieces of work that we all do in our life, often for me at least, come from the adversity that we faced and overcame in order to get to the end point. You know, let's say it's a, a project or a campaign of some kind, the ones that are quite challenging and very technical and really require, you know, turning the cogs in your brain are often the ones that are the most fun by the end, aren't they? Well, I would even go as far as saying we had a line from David Goggins who gets to this through a completely different way than Mel. And Goggins was like, if you're not growing, you're dying. Like there's no such thing as just plateauing is okay. No, that's actually you're falling behind. And I truly think that if we develop the capability of when it's hurting, when we're uncomfortable to keep going, what many 
athletes reveal is that there's always way more athletic capability than what you realize. Like your your fight or flight kicks in and you want to stop running because you're hot and tired. But actually, and, you know, I think a great example of this, just to kind of show you how much potential we all have and how important this thinking is from her, is there was this famous English runner who you probably remember called Roger Bannister who ran the first four-minute mile. And nobody, nobody thought a four-minute mile was possible. He did it, and then subsequently thousands of people have done it ever since. So in the short time after, all these people started running four-minute miles because they realized it was possible. Everyone thought there was a natural limit, so they gave up and they stopped. And as it as it works for, for Roger Bannister and the running world, so it runs in life. We're all running. We're all in a competition against life itself. And we have this choice to perceive what's in front of us. Is it time to stop? Give up? Yeah, I try mm. my best. Or do you embrace the discomfort? Or as Brene Brown would say, do you step into the arena, stop being a spectator, get your ass in there, and don't give up. Mm. I find that sometimes getting into that arena can be a little bit of a challenge, particularly, and we've spoken about this on the show before, when you're starting from scratch. You know, Let's say you've been, a, to use Brené Brown's language, a spectator for a long time, and you want to try and get into it. I think, and similar to the, the framework that we've got behind us at the moment, and for listeners at home, we're taking a look at the habit loop from James Clear's Atomic Habits. I think this is a key demonstration and breakdown, Mike, of a way for all of us to begin that first process of getting into that arena to try and, let's say, inverted commas, better ourselves, or maybe get a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable, pushing ourselves into that, that new realm of ours. And this for us, we've obviously broken this down on, on the show before, Mike, has always been a substantial takeaway for me because it continually repeats itself again and again, doesn't it? Similar to what you were just saying. If you put it into your um, routine, let's say it's something you do every day, mm-hmm. it's something that you come back to, you see growth as a uh, Maslow hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. like Mel Robbins tells us. If you start to look at adversity in a, a, a positive light, something that even maybe fits into a daily habit, you look for opportunities to be exposed and then you relish in the opportunity to get better. That suddenly becomes such a proactive uh, habit, doesn't it? And one that you can only get better at at a time. Yeah. So I got a great example using this, this chart that you have up here. So one of the things that I really have noticed uh, physically is that when I do resistance or weight training, I just feel more confident because I feel physically stronger, more together. I mean, it's hard to explain. I mean, it's not like I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything, but I just feel more capable, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I've, I've made a really good habit of running, but I've never really made a good habit of working out, resistance training, etc. So my cue is every morning, every morning for the last month, I've been doing 
resistance training. That's my response to the feeling of wanting to feel good, strong, and confident in the morning. And the reward I give myself is my coffee that I make. So I have a really nice espresso coffee machine, as you know. And what I do is I defer my coffee until I've done the resistance training. So the way I've Ah. built the habit loop with resistance training, because I've always been a bit on and off, Mark, like I've got to admit, like I'll get into it for a week or two and then I drop it. Running, I've really kept, but for some reasons I hadn't done it with resistance training, you know, working out with bands and weights. So morning, crave the feel, the need to feel good and confident, response, resistance training, workout, reward, coffee. <laughs> that's it. And that's the habit loop. And doing it at the same time to address the same desire and the same reward has made that workout program work well. Another thing is I really wanted to produce a lot of content in the first half of the year. So I wrote every morning before I started work and I published uh, for almost three months, I published a blog post every single day and I really wanted to get out in front of that content and it's been really, really good to do. Again, whatever you, whatever mm. you do, I, I, my rule is always do it at the same time to address the same feeling yeah. and have the same reward. This is how you address, like in the simple case, like I want to feel stronger and more confident by doing upper body workouts. So what do I do? Morning, want to feel good. Resistance training, coffee is the reward. Don't take the coffee before. And the trick here is you start to feel like you're cheating. You feel so bad for some reason. You know, I had a call at 6 a.m. this week and I, I just didn't get a chance to, to work out before that. And Mark, I felt bad. I felt bad, Mark, because <laughs> I had that coffee before the resistance training. And that was the power of the That's habit funny. loop that I built. I just was feeling so, so naughty. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a funny situation, Mike, because I have a very similar case with exercise and coffee too. You know, I'll, I'll go for a swim down in the, the sunny shores of Australia and Sydney uh, a couple of times a week. And the group that I go with, always we always get out in the cold it's it's very early you know you're going out at sunrise the weather's you know either raining or cold but the idea of the reward of a hot steaming coffee afterwards that reward i think you know obviously getting in the water itself is a, is a wonderful experience too but i'd say that secretly there's a lot of us who are looking forward to that coffee more so than getting in the water yes and I think another great reward is the Moonshots Master Series that all of our members get. I know they crave it, but our members are so fortunate because they get the opportunity to listen to a whole separate podcast, Mark. So I think it's only appropriate for our viewers and listeners that we tip the hat to our members, wouldn't you say? That's right. All of our members who are joining us every single week as we churn out our Moonshots Master Series, which only is accessible to those members, include Bob, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo and Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul and Berg, Kalman, Joe, Ivan, Christian, Samuela, Barbara, Andre and Eric, Chris, Deborah, Lasse, Steve and Craig, all of whom, Mike, are our annual members, or more specifically, individuals who've been with us for over a year. Now. Hot on those heels, as I always say, is Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, and Yvette, Karen, Raul, PJ, Nicoada, Ola, Ingram, Dirk, Emily, Harry, Karthik, Venkata, and Marco. 
Jet, Roger, Anna, Raw, Nimelin, Eric, Diana, and Wade, Christoph, Denise, Laura, and Smitty, Corey, Gayla, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Nelson, and our brand new Moonshots master member is Daniel. Thank you so much, Daniel, but also thank you to all of you individuals who are learning out loud with us every single week. So one thing that they certainly did not do is procrastinate. They went to moonshots.io, they hit the members button and became a member and they get all sorts of great benefits. And amongst others, the one that really stands out is access to the Moonshots Master Series. But to return to the work of Mel Robbins, we know there's another enemy in life. If we're going to be the best version of ourselves, ooh, Mark, why don't you hit us with this clip? Because, oh my gosh, our enemy is procrastination. It certainly is, Mike. So now we're going to hear from a different voice, but a great breakdown of Mel Robinson's book. We're going to hear from Mind Body Connection, who's going to give us again some hard truths and is going to call out this idea of all of us needing to stop delaying. To understand the main idea behind this book, you first need to think about something you really want, a goal that you have in your mind. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to start your own business? Do you want to start your own blog? Think about something you really want. Now honestly ask yourself, why don't you have this thing already? In this day and age, with so much information available online, we can never use the excuse that we don't know how to do something. Think about it. If you want to lose weight, start a blog, or open a business, all you have to do is Google it and you'll find thousands of people who will tell you exactly, step by step, on how to do anything. This book discusses the real reason why we don't have what we want, and that reason is because we keep waiting until we feel like it. But the harsh reality is, you're never going to feel like it. Motivation is not coming, and no one is going to make you do anything. You have to do it for yourself. I used to think that if I really wanted something, eventually I'll feel like doing it. Eventually I'd feel like going after it. I used to think that motivation was going to come from somewhere and push me along. But what this book taught me is that you're never going to feel like it. Think about it. Nobody ever feels like going on a diet. Nobody ever feels like getting up an hour early out of a nice warm bed. But if you want to make your goals a reality, you have to do these things whether you feel like it or not. In the beginning of any new habit you want to adopt or any bad habit that you want to drop, you will have to force it. Motivation is temporary, it doesn't last. Emotions are temporary as well, they don't last either. Your job is to make yourself do the stuff you don't want to do so you can have everything you want in your life. We have to stop lying to ourselves and saying, I will start tomorrow. Because if you don't feel like doing something today, guess what? You're not going to feel like doing it tomorrow either. There is no tomorrow. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that successful people do what is goal achieving. Unsuccessful people do what is tension relieving. Successful people have the self-discipline to do what they know they should do. And they do it whether they feel like it or not. Now, this is really important, Mark, because for me... What we are discovering is superstars and the everyday person have exactly the same challenges, which is they feel like hitting the snooze button. The difference is those that succeed and thrive overcome that. They train themselves not to hit the snooze button, right? And here's the thing. Once you've done it in life and built successful habit loops, overcome weaknesses or areas that you're procrastinating. And once you've done it, much like once you've run a marathon, then the idea of running two or three is no big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
once you run the half marathon, you're like, oh, maybe I can take a crack at the full marathon, for example. Mm -hmm. But I think it's particularly hard for those who've never sought to become uncomfortable. And you can, you can almost ignorantly be in this loop of, oh, tomorrow, another time, another life. And this is the danger. So what I want to focus our conversation on is not only thinking about the cost of delaying something, but mechanisms to kind of break through to force the action. Mm. One of the things that comes to my mind is writing your own obituary, right? Let's get (laughs) dark and say, well, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? How will you Mm. be remembered? Will you be remembered? Have you made a contribution? And those can be very, I mean, this is the brutal edge, Mark, of what I use yeah. to, to kind of wake myself up, right? Um, how, how do you overcome this delaying and procrastinating? How do you spark action when you're kind of a bit uncomfortable? You kind of don't want to do it. Well, now that you've put in my mind the idea of writing my own obituary, uh, I'm probably going to have to to start thinking about that. But in all seriousness, I think that idea of legacy is certainly uh, a theme and an, an an insight or an approach that's been on our minds throughout this show. You know, specifically when we look at the work of you know, Goggins or earlier you mentioned Carol Dweck, mm. uh, but also maybe somebody like Elizabeth Gilbert. A lot of them are making this case for us: don't delay go out and create something that you're going to be proud of and just give it a go. And whether it ends up in your obituary or not, it's still something that you can look back at and and be pleased with. I think for me, the thing that stops me hitting the snooze button, uh, and there's there's two stages or two phases to hitting the snooze button, isn't there? The first one is doing it for the first time. The first time a new activity, maybe it's the first time going for a run when it's still dark outside, or maybe it's getting in the cold water, or maybe it's going out for a job interview, whatever it might be, hitting the snooze button and not avoiding that the first time is, I think, somewhat easy to put off and distract yourself because it's a brand new, exciting moment. So there's that idea, for me at least, where I think, yeah, let's go and give it a go. Let's find out what this is all about because you've got nothing to compare it to. I'm going to hit you with a proposal, Mike, that maybe it's easier or more tempting to hit the snooze button once you've actually done something, because you know, oh, the last time I ran, I had a bit of a niggle in my, my leg, or last time I went out, it was really cold. So it's potentially sometimes easier to forgive yourself to hit the snooze button on the second or later time. Yes, right. And the way, that I, the way that I would try and combat that is remembering the good feeling I get afterwards. Oh, so right. It's yeah, not yeah, only, yeah. Not only the idea of perhaps the uh, achievement, but it's even just the process. It's the enjoyment of going out there when, again, let's, let's continue the idea of running, going out there when no one else is around. You've got the world seemingly to yourself and knowing that you can get, you know, a lot done while you're running. You can think about things more deeply. You're enjoying the world. It's something that you take great joy of during the actual exercise mm-hmm. as well as that afterwards. Another another theme that might be 
related to the chart that you've got up on the screen is something that I find quite helpful, even with really practical stuff like health or financial things, which is to really explore the cost of the procrastination. Okay. Let's say you got a, a financial thing that you're incurring costs on and you have to take action to prevent those costs. Well, just think to yourself, if I'm getting dinged every, I don't know, every month, that's going to cost me a hundred or a thousand bucks a year. Like it's easy to defer like a hundred dollars this month, but if it's a thousand or $1,200 for the year, Mm. Ooh, likewise with health. Okay. So if I don't get fit this month, right. Then I'm getting older, Mm. right. It's going to get harder and harder to get fit. Do I want to get close to an area where I have health issues as a relate, as a, as a sort of a result, if you will, of not being fit, well, and healthy. I, I find the same thing with junk food, right? Like, do you really need this? And are you prepared to pay the cost on the bottom line, so to speak, mm-hmm. for this? Yeah. And um, these are all techniques of confronting choice, procrastination, denial. But walk us through this calculating delay cost. I feel like we're about to get into the science of procrastination here. Well, I, th- I think actually, Mike, you've, you've just done quite a uh, nice little breakdown there of thinking about things from the um, the, f- the culmination moment. Yeah. So fast forwarding to January 1 next year, Yeah. and you look back over the year, the 12 months, and you think, you know what, this time last year, I was really focused on maybe getting fit, but I never thought that I had enough time or I never really invested enough energy into right. it. Really what this this idea of delay cost is adding it into that front area, as you can see, mm-hmm. just behind my uh, my head. And for listeners, uh, what we're looking at is the idea of delay cost getting more substantial the longer it takes in order to do something. So, for example, similar to the way that Mike's just broken it down, if we delayed it by a whole year, suddenly not only are you now at the bottom of a hill and you've got to climb it, You've also added on an additional factor of time as well as energy, wasted energy, that then would culminate into your delay costs. However, when you get to a a point of action, and in the graph behind me, that would be letter number B, you can reduce those delay costs. And those costs could be energy, that could be physical time, maybe even money, by going sooner, by being more proactive. And I think, Mike, that's very much where Mel is leading us within this book, isn't it? She is. So what we've kind of seen is a two-part build, like we are, we're fighting against procrastination, which is all about understanding what we want, right? And knowing that it's not mm-hmm. going to be easy. And if it's worth wanting, then it should be hard, Right. You know, when you do things and you're like, this is something's wrong here. This is too easy, right? Like that's an experience warrior will always know like, hey, something's not quite right here. I didn't have to fight for it enough. I haven't heard enough for it. Like yeah. this, I'm not worthy of this result. Um, yeah. All we're talking about here is finding the capacity to listen to what you want not deferring 
that conversation and inner dialogue and then leaping into action, being fearless about jumping into action. And it's this bias towards action is such a strong moonshot theme. We see it all over the place. And what I love is that Mel not only helps us listen to our inner thoughts, dreams, desires, and hopes, to address them, confront them, stop procrastinating, stop putting them off. And then what we're about to get now is this leap into action. That's right. We've got our next clip coming at us, Mike. We're going to learn some even more hard truths, perhaps. But Mel is really going to break down for us now about how we all need to take action. I'm passionate about film and cinema, Mel. I tweet and I blog about it. People are inspired by what I write. But when I'm offered certain opportunities, I clench up and suddenly feel like an imposter who will mess up and be found. I'm 36, I'm single, in a paycheck to paycheck situation and feel like I have wasted many years due to overthinking, self-doubt and never feeling good enough or ready. How can I overcome this? Well, you can't. You can't overcome the feelings that are rising up, Langley, but you can take action despite them. That's a very important distinction that I want each and every one of you to understand. The things that you're feeling, clenching up, feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not ready, doubting yourself, kind of spending too much time thinking about how much time you've wasted, all that, that's normal that we all do. You cannot overcome those thoughts because they keep rising up and they've become a habit and it's sort of a pattern. So I don't want you to focus on the thoughts. I want you to focus on taking action. Even though you doubt yourself, you are going to feel like an imposter until you push through that clenched up moment over and over and over again. And then suddenly through action, Langley, you're going to see that you're not an imposter at all. You're actually the kind of person that pushes through and does what he or she says they are going to do. If you wanna be successful in business, if you truly want that side hustle to turn into your full-time thing, you have to learn how to let the feelings of doubt rise up, but take action anyway. So this is what we gotta do here, Mark. We've gotta train ourselves, right? When we feel the imposter syndrome, when we feel the self-doubt, what I try to do is say, oh, fantastic. Like I must be challenging myself, stretching myself mm. because I'm feeling a little like out of my league here. And I mm. truly believe you can actually build the habit of going, ooh, ooh, this is different. I'm a bit uncomfortable, but it's okay. And I think having this idea of like a, a cookie jar that – David Robbins, uh, David Goggins has, he encourages you in his book, in his first book, to write a list of all the times you've achieved something remarkable, right? And often in those, you can unpack, there was a time where I wasn't good at that thing, but I became good. Mm. So the fact that I'm not good at a thing right now, or I feel doubt now, that's okay. Because how many times in my life, I got this whole list. And it's such a powerful (laughs) reminder, like, You know, you can go back, like my list, I go back and write things about achievements that I had as a teenager 
And I'll reread wow. those and go, wow, that's crazy to think that I overcame all of these obstacles and achieved this great thing, but it wasn't always that easy. It was hard. And then you hear, well, that's okay that this new thing I'm trying to do is hard. So I think having a cookie jar, I think having the capacity to know that challenge is okay and that we have sort of a biological response for survival. So part of why we don't want to go near a threat, it's like the hot saucepan. You don't want to touch it because you'll yeah. be burnt, right? It's exactly. Just, it's just natural survival instincts. But if you're like, oh, okay, well, I've run 10 kilometers and I'm feeling a little bit knackered, right? I'm feeling pretty mm -hmm. beat. But I know I can run a bit more. And if you've never run that distance before, just break it down step by step. And before you know it, you'll have run 11 kilometers. Oh, I'm still alive. Okay, maybe I need yeah. to go down a bit, but that's okay. Yeah. Run 12. And I, I had this moment where I really stopped feeling like an imposter with running when I ran 30 kilometers in one run for the first time. And then that was when wow. I was like, damn, okay. I, like I've arrived with my running now. Like it's okay. Yeah. And I felt no more fear about running a marathon. Do you know what, Mark? It took two years of running every second day, time after time, when I was sick, when I was sore, and that's what got me to that moment. But here's the thing. Mm. There was a million opportunities to procrastinate before I got to yes. this moment. So how else, when you look at this chart here, what are some of your favorite ways of not procrastinating? How do you keep going? How, how can we ensure we don't hit the snooze button? What do you got there? What are some of your faves? Well, I, I think, Mike, where and, and I would agree with the, the insight you've just shared, which I think we could probably put as number one up on our, our chart, which for those uh, listening in is get, start, get yourself started by believing in your ability to succeed. So I, I agree, Mike, the times in my life when I've really been frustrated with something, maybe it's trying to get uh, a new project off the ground or learns a new skill, it's very frustrating. But as Mel has reminded us today, emotions are temporary. And once you get to a point where you can believe in your ability to succeed, it becomes a lot easier. So I think you're right, Mike. Setting us off, that's a nice, strong one. The second one we've got up on our screen, which I really like, and I know that you are going to say the same, is set out concrete deadlines for yourself. Now, now can, me, I, Mike, can I add one thing yeah. there? Yeah. I think you need a little bit of accountability on deadlines, like just a nuance here. Like if I say I'm going to run long on Sunday to myself, that's one thing. But if I tell you and then we're getting on the following Tuesday to do the show and you're like, hey, Mike, how'd you go? I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so yeah. rainy day, rainy day. Didn't get a yeah. – <laughs> probably much better for a yeah. 7K than a 14K. I, I think mm -hmm. making sharing some of your deadlines and goals is a very helpful way because if you can muster the courage to share it uh, with your friends and family, your goals, just the fact that you told them, that's almost a snooze oh, yeah. button beater right there. Yeah, it is. And actually, that is some advice that we've heard on the Moonshot Show before, isn't it? Mm. When you hold yourself, get others to hold you accountable, it's a lot easier to say no to yourself than it is to others. Another couple of ones that I really like, Mike, in our background is eliminate various distractions from your environment. 
Now, this is a big tip when it comes to procrastination, particularly for those of us who spend a lot of time working from home. Because I don't know about you, Mike, but sometimes I'm looking around my study and I'm thinking, I should really tidy that up. Or, you know what, that thing, that plant really needs some more water. And then suddenly you go down a bit of a rabbit hole, or at least I do, because I'm still learning good ways to overcome procrastination by the sounds of it. But to eliminate those distractions is a surefire way to eliminate those that wasted time. And Mike, this is digital minimalism as well, right? It totally is. And, and I think distractions are not only immediate, but I think the distractions are like, you know, I'm sure that a number of our members and viewers love to do gaming on their PlayStation and Xbox, right? And um, I'm sure that that might be something that takes up a fair bit of time, which eliminates time for exercise or time for adventure, learning new things. So let's say I was gaming a little too much. Maybe you put yourself on a, I only do gaming on the weekend, right? Those kind of things. One of the other little hacks you and I spoke about, if you want to run in the morning, get your run gear out the night before, right? Yeah, we always like that one. We always like that one indeed. I think what is quite interesting, Mike, and it's the one just behind my head, which I think I would uh, connect to this idea of laying out your shoes the night before, is to also recognize after the event the times or the days or the items that you have done and really reflect on it, record it. Maybe it's marking it down in your calendar. Maybe it's a big green tick. Did I go for a run today? Or was I more patient? Or did it, was it something that I really worked towards and I oh, didn't yeah. put off? Oh, yeah. Recognizing that, a big motivation, which again, I think goes back to your insight around um, running and getting better and feeling more confident in your ability is when you recognize it and you can look back at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we get addicted to those little apple circles on the yeah. <laughs> Do you know, I, I totally <laughs> extend my walks if I'm close. Like I was looking, oh, yeah. I, I was looking today and it's only been a short run today. So I definitely need to fit in another walk if I want to close my circles. <laughs> well, Mike, I, I'm going I'm to counter that with, yeah. with uh, one more way to overcome procrastination, and that's to uh, avoid a perfectionist mindset. So maybe your perfectionism of trying to tick off all those boxes is actually, and this is an intervention perhaps, oh. a way of you procrastinating away from your work. Oh. Because you want to go... <laughs> There you go, uh, listeners and viewers. <laughs> therapy for my no, all, therapy for my exactly. But, but in all seriousness, I think the habits and the ways and the tips that we've got from Mel, as well as a number of our other moonshotters, when it comes to uh, not delaying, avoiding procrastination, and just getting out and doing it, really comes down to holding yourself accountable, doesn't it? Making yeah. yourself the one who's the one who has to go out and do it. And I think you know culturally right now we all need to go back and read extreme ownership by Yoko Willink because without being political about it, there's just too many people right now blaming others for their predicament. Mm. Right. But who the hell is going to get Mike out of Mike's problems other than Mike, right? Who else is going to fix your conundrum mark? Like in the end of the day, it's you are going to fix you. I am going to fix myself. And I do believe that 
you know, Goggins talks about stop looking to others to solve your problems. Mm. Stop putting, stop blaming, stop procrastinating. Get out there and say, the only person that's going to get me fit is me. Mm. And one, one kind of note on that is where we all get that gusto in January and February of like, I'm going to get fit and healthy, dry January and all that kind of stuff, is that we often set wildly ambitious goals. But then we just fall well short of those and get demoralized. If you want to run a marathon, maybe that starts with walking just one kilometer a week. And then, you know, you do that. Next week you walk two kilometers. Before you know it, you walk. 10 kilometers, maybe run five and just break it down. And the thing is you can celebrate, like I know I walked 10 Ks today and I want to run 42 next year, but you can take enormous well-being from knowing this is part of the journey to achieving the marathon. Yes, Yes, it is a step on the ladder, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, similar to a lot of the lessons we've learned, which – particularly focus on this idea of not going after the end goal, but actually enjoying the journey. Oh, big time. You know, I I think that one for me has actually always been quite um, a powerful motivator rather than looking at my, um, you know, savings account and thinking, wow, I can't wait to get to X amount. Instead, just seeing things, you know, slowly grow and knowing that I'm the one who's accountable for it. And the work that I put in then has an effect. And that's obviously the same with pretty much everything in life. That's the reward, isn't it? That's, that's where you look back and, you know, going back to this idea of legacy, I think that's one of the things that does motivate me actually to try and get out because I know that I'm only going to get out of it what I'm going to put in. That's so true. Now, you might be forgiven for thinking, Mark, that we've extracted all the value we could possibly get from Mel Robbins. But you know what? You've got one more goodie in the bag. Why don't we unleash our last clip for the show? Yes, I really, really enjoy this last clip from Mel, who's going to close out our show. And actually, we've already covered it a little bit, Mike, this idea of stopping procrastination. But now Mel's going to take us a layer deeper and talk to us about the power of our subconscious. So let's talk a little bit about procrastination. Who in here struggles with procrastination? Yeah, and the rest of you that aren't raising your hand are just procrastinating on doing it, aren't you? I know. You see, I always thought procrastination had to do with the thing I was procrastinating around, right? Like that procrastination has something to do with work. Believe it or not, procrastination has nothing to do with your work. Procrastination is a form of stress relief. Let me explain this. So let's say that you've got some stuff going on in your life. And heck, who doesn't have stuff going on in your life? Maybe you're fighting with your significant other. Maybe mom's or dad's health is failing and it's really, really upsetting you. Maybe you've got some financial stuff. You put too much of your savings into Bitcoin. And now that that's crashed, you're stressed out about it, right? And so you go into work. And when you get into work, you got stuff to do. You kind of walk in and you got this big stress ball that uh, subconsciously is hanging over your head. And so you walk in and you sit down and you know you got 13 phone calls you need to make. And you also know that you've been chickening out, you've been making easy calls, and there's a bunch of CIOs or other people that are higher level that you haven't been calling. 
And so as you sit down to do it, you got the stress on your shoulders, your brain starts to go, wait a minute, well, you want me to make a call to somebody that I'm scared to make? Absolutely not. I'm so stressed out about, can we just watch some cat videos for a minute? And next thing you know, an hour's gone by. And then, of course, what do you do? You beat yourself up. So the only way that you can break this habit, and that's an important word for you to hear, you're not a procrastinator. You have a habit of procrastinating. Big difference. Because if it's a habit, I can teach you to use science to break it. You see, all habits have three parts. There's a trigger. And in the case of procrastination, the triggers always stress. Then there's a pattern you repeat. And in the case of procrastination, it is to avoid doing something. And then there's a reward. You get a little stress relief. The only way to break a habit, you guys, is not to deal with the triggers. You're never going to get rid of the stress in your life. But you can 100% change your pattern of avoiding work. So next time that you're in a situation where you feel yourself hesitate, you spent way too much time checking out the highlights from last night's scores, what you're going to do is you're going to go, oh, I must be stressed out about something. Acknowledge the stress. Then go five, four, three, two, one. I want you to count to yourself because I want you to interrupt the habit that's stored here and I want you to awaken your prefrontal cortex. Then I want you to just work, just for five minutes. The reason why I want you to only work for five minutes is because your problem isn't working. It's the habit of avoiding. I just need you to start. And here's the other cool thing. We know based on research that if we can get you to start, 80% of you are going to keep going. Oh, man. You know, this is very, this is really speaking to me, Mark. This is the philosophy. The way I would express this is attack the problem. When I feel discomfort or when I've got an inkling something's not right, get after it. I, I personally in my career have had times where I've felt something's not right there and I've avoided it and then it comes back and gets you worse in the future. So I remember like yeah. if, if I'm feeling uncomfortable now, it's going to be a disaster somewhere in the future, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, if I'm honest with myself, there's probably been a couple of times for me where I thought, can I get away with this? <laughs> and you think if this this could be something that's going to be more painful. And, and the best people that I've worked with are the ones who will notice something like that and they'll turn it into a potential um, off-ramp, so to speak to make the idea or whatever it is better. So, right, this is a potential problem that we could foresee. Maybe it's um, a timeline issue. Maybe it's uh, something more personal, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's something, a change in the market. And you can see it coming and you think, oh, you know what? We could ignore it and assume it's going to be okay. Or we could go out and attack it, like we always say. Go out and make the product, project, the work that you're doing maybe better because of that knowledge and that Mike, you know, it, it can, it, it's, it's, it's the best people I've worked with are the ones who do that, but it's not all of us. <laughs> but I think, it, I think the good news is like happiness, like a lot of things, yeah. it's a muscle you can build. Exactly. I, I think I just yeah. built, build it myself from having felt the pain of deferring and procrastinating. It just comes back and bites you. I'm like, okay, well, to the best of my ability, I'm going to just try and tackle. You see this action line you've got up here? I just want to bring that up further. Like, 
better to take a little hit now than a huge hit down the line, right? Yeah, yeah. And for listeners at home, and obviously we we suggest everybody go and check out the uh, the frameworks that we're, we're visualizing in our video edition of the show. But for those listening in, what we have behind us is a chart that marks uh, time against pain. So pain being something that a lot of us uh, experience when we procrastinate for too long. So if you leave a long time and things just get a little bit uncomfortable, maybe those deadlines are sneaking up, maybe a conversation you've been putting off is still around, you have not been able to avoid it, and you've got that anxiety in your belly, and you know something's not right, then suddenly you're going to get to a point, uh, perhaps even a cliff or the edge of the wave, and suddenly you're going to go into action mode. That's the action line. And I think, Mike, what Mel's been calling out to us today, as well as in the the five-second rule, her first book, is that we can control that time. We can control when that action takes place. Once you've uh, really started noticing and recognizing your, let's call them symptoms of uh, procrastination, or maybe symptoms of pain, perhaps is another way of looking at it. If you notice, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit uncomfortable when I'm talking to so-and-so. Maybe this is an alarm bell that I should observe. Yes. Maybe it's something that I should come back to and try and make a little bit better or act upon quicker because I have been burned before, perhaps. <laughs> Investigate, pursue, attack the problem. Don't delay, right? Like the more you defer those feelings, never in my life have they just disappeared. Even when you thought they no. disappeared, they come back. Yeah, it's true, back. isn't it? really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but similar, uh, again, we've spoken about the fight or flight response on today's show as well as in the past. That's just so tempting, isn't it? It's mm. so tempting to find something that is uncomfortable and either put it off for so long that you can no longer avoid it or just keep on running from it. But you're right, Mike, it always comes around, doesn't it? It does. It does. Well, oh my gosh, so many lessons in the second installment of the Mel Robbins series. Mark, let me hit you up. We've we've covered the ga- the yeah. gamut really of the you know changing the line right towards action or even listening to those little whispers in life. Uh, we've covered that mm. whole spectrum today. What's going to be your area of focus? What's what's going to get some further investigation from Mister Mark Pearson Freeland? I. I think there have been times in my life where I have procrastinated and I think I'm probably uh, even doing it perhaps uh, more subconsciously nowadays than, than intentionally. I would like to hold myself a little bit more accountable. So I'm going to really lean into this idea of uh, just getting on with it, noticing uh, particularly that brain breakdown that we heard earlier in that first clip, the emergency break that, that Mel was saying. Noticing those patterns, thinking about how I'm reacting to moments pretty much at every time of the day is going to be something that I'm going to really work on and, and be conscious mm. of. Like, mm. I think uh, for me, I think it is, it's interesting how I think about this. I think it's going to be about, listening to my intuition and quickly journaling on it. Cause I think once I break mm. out of the brain, like it's like literally when I get out of my head and it's even just in a journal entry. And so it's represented to me, whether I get it the next day or in three months when I reread my journal, 
hopefully getting it out of the abstract and written down, that's the thing I'm going to go after. Yeah, that's a nice idea. Mm. I like that. Mm. Yeah. Journaling instantly to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just think that's the best answer I've got. But I'll report back to you, Mark, and, and to all of our members and viewers as well. And I want to say thank you to all of you. Uh, not only Mark, my partner in crime, but to all of you, our members, listeners, and viewers. Here we are on show 230 with Mel Robbins, part two, where we examined the thinking behind Stop Saying You're Fine. And there were four big chapters. There was a call to action of get the hell out of your head, stop delaying, take action. And number four was there's only one way to stop procrastinating. And that is to leap, to jump into action, to address not only friction, but to pursue who you want to be. And that is exactly aligned with what we're doing here on the Moonshots podcast. We are on the adventure of a lifetime to learn how we can be the best version of ourselves. And we're doing it by learning out loud together. So I think we can all stop saying we're fine. I think we can stop procrastinating. And I think we can take a big old shot, a jump, a leap to the moon. And if you do so, life will be good. All right, that's it for the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.